0: Roxy, I have a new quiz for us. I hope it's about Harry Potter. I'm getting Ravenclaw vibes from you. And I'm getting Slytherin vibes from you. Really? Isn't that like <laughs> isn't that the evil one? Isn't yeah. that like Voldemort's camp or something? <laughs> well, now today's quiz is gonna sound really boring in comparison. It's actually about our attachment style. Yeah, that does sound less fun than a sorting hat. Well, you can still use your wand. Yes. From Religion News Service, this is Saved by the City, a podcast from two single Christian women who stepped off the bus in New York with all our baggage. I'm Caitlin Beatty. And I'm Roxy Stone. Okay, so pivoting (laughs) pretty hard (laughs) away from Harry Potter. Do we have to? What... We can find a way to uh, to come back to it. I I think you know. I have never read Harry Potter. Every season, this comes up. Every
1: season, it will astonish <laughs> and bother me.
0: I know. Uh, I I know. I get it. I it's not for spiritual reasons. Like, oh, where's the magic from? I think I was just too old when they when the books became. I'm really older than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you you have a really strong fantasy streak. That's true. That is you know, don't you actually have a Harry Potter wand? Yes, I do. Okay. Two feet behind me. <laughs> exactly. Which I love and affirm. We're just different people. I am not worried about me having a wand. <laughs> I embrace that. Okay, so we will talk about Harry Potter later. But first, when you think about God, what image comes to mind? What does God look like to you?
1: Is this a trick question? This feels like a trick question. God doesn't have a
0: body, right? No, God doesn't have a body. But I mean, how do you picture God? I was thinking of this quote from A.W. Tozer, the late pastor and author. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I don't know if I agree with him, but I think it's an interesting claim. Yes. And, you know, I think a lot of people have, you know, sky daddy
1: images like this angry white man in the sky.
0: (laughs) Actually, when you say sky daddy, (laughs) I think more like, (laughs) like a 55 year old divorcee who has a lot of money and is going to maybe like fund my college education. Is that how you see God? (laughs) Well, when you say sky daddy, (laughs) yes. (laughs) But yes, a lot of us have like old white man Ready to meet out
1: punishment whenever we mess up.
0: Right. And it's interesting because as Christians, we have this image of Jesus that kind of refutes that image. But a lot of us still kind of sense that God is an angry dad, like he's going to snap at any minute or he's waiting for us to mess up or he's waiting for us to get our act together before we can approach him. It's not really a... God that's super approachable.
1: Yeah, I I recently had a revelation that I think I maybe thought of God more that way as a kid and now I think of God more as a therapist, but not in a great way, not in a like, oh, tell me about your problems and your life and like I'll help you sort it out, but like the kind of like Therapist sitting in the chair judging you the whole time and being like, oh, you're saying that, but really Mm. what your history and what your past and what your secret shameful desires are, you know, like knows everything behind what I'm saying and sort of is just like smiling at how like I don't understand myself and continue to do dumb things as a result
0: or whatever okay it sounds like you've had a bad therapist I had a great therapist I had a
1: great therapist but I think I have this like whenever I read like therapists talking about patients they have insight into the patient that the patient doesn't understand about themselves and that's kind of how Mm -hmm. I see God but I see it as more of like judgmental than like let me help you understand yourself which is what a therapist does I see it more Mm -hmm. as like just doesn't understand doesn't
0: get it. It is not a posture of love. It's more scrutiny or, wow, you just keep messing up. Yeah. Or like, you know, like,
1: oh, you say you want this great job, but really you're searching for fulfillment in all of the wrong places. Or what you're really trying to do is fill this hole of affirmation in you. You know, like that kind of always analyzing, but like God knows and Mm -hmm. knows that like everything that you really want, you think you want for certain reasons, but like there's so many layers underneath that of subconscious and you'll never know that about yourself, but God does.
0: Is this therapist a man? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Is this therapist (laughs) over the age of 50?
1: Yeah. And the office is stuffy. (laughs) Yeah. And he frowns at me a lot. For Hmm. sure. It's like this silly girl.
0: (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Well, we are in this session or (laughs) no, not session. (laughs) I'm not going to be your therapist, but we're going to unpack like where that came from and what that means and why it might actually hinder how you relate to God. And today's guest, coincidentally,
1: a therapist (laughs) is going to help us understand how the ways we see God are actually related to arise from our attachment styles.
0: Most of us have probably heard the term attachment or attachment style. It's essentially how we relate to others to meet our base needs for love and acceptance. And our parents have a lot to do with it.
1: <laughs> but before we talk to Crispin Mayfield, let's figure out what our attachment styles are. Ready for the quiz?
0: Here we go. I mean, take this with a grain of salt. I literally Googled attachment styles quiz, you know.
1: These are complicated. I have a hard time remembering <laughs> this. Oh, well, that's obvious.
0: <laughs> I often find eye contact uncomfortable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I tend to prefer relationships relationship with things or animals instead of people. I
0: thought of you. <laughs> hmm. Okay. So that was a little
1: brutal. Well, they've given us this helpful pie chart of our results categorized into the four different attachment styles, but maybe first let's define the attachment styles.
0: Yeah. So secure attachment is the gold star is what we want. It's basically, it's a Ability to open up to others, to give and receive love, to have healthy boundaries, and a balance of intimacy with a sense of individual self. But needless to say, all of us struggle to some extent with secure attachment. So what are some of the other ways that we might attach?
1: Well, we've got avoidant, ambivalent, and disorganized. (laughs) Check, check, and check. Avoidant being your lone wolf types. Avoidant people are disattached. They find their greatest struggle to be lack of emotion and connection within relationships.
0: Ambivalent attachment is there's a tendency to be dissatisfied. There's a sense that you're always reaching for attachment, but there's something wrong either with yourself or with the other person, like unattainable ideals.
1: And the last one, disorganized. Uh, This is sort of your classic, come here, go away, come here, go away, come here, go away, attachment style.
0: What what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Well, imagine, imagine... Well, you don't have to
1: imagine because you can see me. Listeners, imagine what I'm doing. I'm doing the classic, like, beckoning you closer with one hand and putting the other hand out to keep you away. Like, signaling you want someone to come closer, but then in your actions, keeping them at a distance or vice versa.
0: Mixed messages. Mixed messages. And this likely came from, as a wee one, receiving mixed messages from your caregiver about their availability to you like reaching out for love and affection and then but don't come too close unfortunately a lot of this goes back to our parents which you know rocky sherry tim and karen maybe you guys take a
1: little break press pause for a while
0: (laughs) or well i guess it's also worth saying that All of us have tendency, like all of us have expressions of all the attachment styles at different stages and different relationships, depending on how well we're doing. It's not like you're born with an attachment style. It's just a way of describing how we relate to others at different times. Exactly. But now I'm feeling like you're stalling. So (laughs) let's hear it. Well, the biggest piece of my pie. Avoidant.
1: Huh.
0: I I feel like it might be obvious because I'm so independent, of course. And like someone hugging me, like a friend hugging me for too long mm. makes me anxious. Like, okay, that's enough. Let's let's maintain, let's maintain some distance. Yeah. I think there can be in unhealthy moments, maybe a fear of intimacy or a fear of like if I'm too attached to someone, mm-hmm. I'll like lose myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I I lose my sense of self, so I have to keep distance in order to maintain that. I think uh, psychologists would say the avoidant attachment is really about having the experience of not having your needs met early on. So you kind of you learn like it's just better to kind of bottle them up or push them down or deal Mm -hmm. with them on your own. It's not that you don't have emotions. It's not that you don't have needs. It's that you learned early on better to just like try to deal with it on my own than to reach out because if i reach out and the needs aren't met that's right. very painful i'm going to guess ambivalent ding 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 <laughs> yeah and
1: i mean this is really it, when we read the descriptions i was like oh well yeah that's me um i mean i think it's i have a lot of insecurity about being left or abandoned um and you know, question a lot of what I'm doing in the relationship. Is the other person happy? Am I upsetting them? And then I think I Hmm. do have a tendency to kind of go all in and lose myself in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think I can look back at a pattern of like feeling pretty good going into a relationship about myself and my life and my independence. And then by the end of a relationship feeling like trash.
0: So, Well, I'll just say not all of that is you. <laughs> the other person in the relationship might have some bearing on well, how attachment styles off also I think um have a tendency to factor into who you're attracted to. Yes. So. Yes, definitely. If you have such different attachment styles mm-hmm. that it's not gonna work. Like Yeah, or that I, they're that they're really triggering
1: like the bad stuff of your attachment. Yes. Style.
0: Yes. Like if I In past relationships, if I sense that the other person, like, really needs me, Mm -hmm. or what I experience to be clingy, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'll, like, push even farther away. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like, I will run from the... And then that will just kick it up even more on their end, you know? Yes. Like, it's a bad cycle for both of us. It is. And I'm oddly attracted to people who are
1: like emotionally unavailable in that way and like if I'm with somebody who's clingy I'm like oh they must not really see me or know me because they like think I'm like they don't see my dark side you know Um, so I get I don't do well with people who are needy either but I actually think that'd probably be helpful for me
0: (laughs) well or at least someone who's like Maybe not. Clingy. I'm not idealizing you, but I don't right. think you're trash. That's not <laughs> Just I've just heard like in general that's not something to look for. I've heard
1: that too. I heard that too. <laughs> Maybe from a therapist that wasn't God.
0: Um
1: All right. <laughs> well, this is well, not what, supposed to be an episode about
0: our romantic relationships. But it makes sense because mm-hmm. apart from our parents like early on, that's where those dynamics will be kicked up the most intensely, you know? Absolutely. And we've learned a lot from life experience. We have a lot of stories.
1: I don't know what you're saying. you saying we're old? <laughs>
0: that's what I'm hearing. No, that's not <laughs> what I was saying. We're, we're wise women. We've gleaned <sighs> wisdom from life. All right. Someone else who has a lot of wisdom... <laughs> is our guest today, Crispin Mayfield, author of the new book, Attached to God, a practical guide to deeper spiritual experience.
2: Basically attachment science is the study of relationships and how we attach to the other important people in our life. And then also to God, which is what I focus on.
1: Crispin is a licensed
0: professional counselor. He also makes dope TikTok videos. Our conversation with Crispin is coming right up just after the break. Religion News Service is an
1: independent, award-winning source of global reporting on religion, spirituality, culture, and ethics.
0: From Jonathan Merritt's On Faith and Culture to Omar Suleiman's Islam Beyond Phobia to Jana Reese's Flunking Sainthood, there's something for everybody. If you like what we're
1: doing at Saved by the City, let us know. Throw us a rating or a review. It goes a long way toward helping get the word out about the show.
0: One reviewer says these lively conversations are compelling, relevant, and relatable. Caitlin and Roxy are intelligent, honest, and witty, and they have an excellent lineup of guests. I like that person. That might have been one of our moms now that I think about it. Well, be like our moms. Let us know what you think
1: by emailing us at sbtcpodcasts at religionnews.com.
2: I'm Paul Brandeis Rauschenbusch. This week on The State of Belief.
1: I felt like if anyone was going to be speaking up, it was going to have to be somebody like me.
2: Faithful conversations around sexual orientation and gender identity in Texas with Auburn Peterson of Another Story. Also, getting ready for the 2024 vote with Adam Friedman, organizing an election strategist at Interfaith Alliance. The State of Belief, where religion and democracy meet. Distributed by Religion News Service Podcasts and available on your favorite podcast app.
0: Today's guest is Crispin Mayfield, author of the new book, Attached to God. Welcome, Crispin. Hey, Crispin.
2: Thanks. I'm so glad to be here and excited to talk about attachment. So, <laughs>
0: Yes, us too. Just really starting off basic, how would you define what, what an attachment style is.
2: Basically, attachment science is the study of relationships and how we attach to the other important people in our life. And it started with toddlers, really infants, and looking at these different ways that they attach to their mothers. But then we found out that that actually plays out through the rest of life. And um, we have some of these similar strategies when it comes to attaching to our partners or even friendships and that sort of thing. And then also to God, which is what I focus on. But really this attachment styles thing is we we have lots of different ways to, to get closeness and connection with the people that we love. So the first one is anxious. okay, And that is kind of this idea of like, I need to cling to you to make sure you don't go anywhere. And so this looks like an infant that like instead of like exploring the playground is like clinging on to mom's skirt, you know, and just like mm-hmm. hanging there because it's like I'm worried that if I go somewhere else, you're not going to stick around for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: In adulthood with partners, this looks like that person that is like and. <laughs> I will include myself in this of like, oh, you haven't like texted me in two hours. Like, is something wrong? Like, mm-hmm. I need that constant connection to know that we're okay. There's not like a feeling of like, there's a stability here that mm-hmm. is, goes beyond what I can see. Mm-hmm. And so that would be that anxious attachment. And we're even taught in the church to do this, to be so preoccupied with, is our relationship with God okay? Okay that it makes it hard to focus sometimes on the other things that are really important, like our family. So that's that's an overview of the first one. Anxious.
1: Anxious attachment. Okay.
2: And then the second one is shut down, which is also sometimes called avoidant, is the person that is like, I'm okay on my own. I can manage my emotions on my own. I don't really have many emotions. This is someone that actually has learned if I share my emotions, then I'm going to drive other people away.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's in order to maintain the connection, it's better for me to keep my feelings down rather than express them because expressing feelings pushes people away.
2: Right, exactly. So you think about like that kid that and and this happens a lot with boys in particular in our culture where it's like, you know, if you're scared or you're crying, it's like, that's not okay Mm -hmm. And so this kid learns like, all right, if I want to keep connection with my parents, I need to. You know, handle things on my own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you grow up into someone that's, you become so detached from your emotions. That's just been your way of like dealing with emotions is pretending like they don't exist. And so then you kind of go through life and it's like, yeah, I'm just like logical, I'm rational. And under that though is like, yeah, if I were to share my emotions, it would drive other people away. Mm -hmm. And then we see that with God where Um, You know, if I'm sad or if I'm worried about something, it means there's something wrong with my faith.
0: Mm. So in relation to God kind of working more from a cerebral or intellectual Mm -hmm. structure, because that feels safer Mm -hmm. than honestly expressing emotions.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. And kind of going in that like systematic theology route of like, I have all the like knowledge, right. And because I have this knowledge, then I can spiritually bypass my emotions. Mm. So it's like, I don't, I'm not worried. Like God's in control, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's actually a way of stuffing down those emotions.
1: Mm -hmm. And what about the third one?
2: The third one is shame filled. Mm -hmm. And um, this is this, idea of, um, I want to be close to you, but I've also have this, gotten this message that there's something about me, uh, that's broken or deformed or disgusting. And so in with infants, this looks like a kid that's in an abusive or emotionally neglectful home where it's like, part of me wants to be connected to my parent. And then part of me, is worried if I get close, I'm going to get hit. Something like that. Um, and what really this was actually where where the thinking about attachment and faith started for me, because what we found with kids that have gone through a lot of trauma is they have this feeling like there's something at my core that's disgusting or broken or wrong, um, and if other people get close to me, you know, they'll find out who I really am and they'll run away. Mm-hmm. And that to me sounded so familiar to what I was taught in Sunday school, which is like your Mm -hmm. heart is dirty and like the core of who you are is broken. And if God really saw who you are, God would want to run away. And you need Jesus to like be sort of like a Jesus mask Mm -hmm. to keep God from seeing who you really are. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, if anybody listening is kind of familiar with therapy, they've thought probably or about attachment style, or maybe they even just read like, a book about marriage <laughs> they kind of learned about these mm-hmm. things but i when i first heard about your book i was like i have never thought about applying that to god before as you started to dig into it why did you kind of find like wow this is really important for us to think about as we think about how we relate to god and what we were taught about god and how to feel about god
2: i really like that question cuz that hits on two two of the reasons that i wrote this one was as i looked at the research It just really helped me make sense of a lot of the feelings that I had um, growing up in the church. Mm. And so it's, you know, thinking about like if you're given this message that uh, you're just one slip up away from losing your faith, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Of course you're going to feel anxious. And actually, like what we saw with the infants is they were sort of resentful towards their mom. Um, They were like, I need you, but I'm mad about how much I need you. And I'm mad that um, it's so hard to keep connection with Mm you. And I was like, as an adult thinking about my relationship with God, I relate to that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the the shame-filled part, you know, that also made so much sense to me to think, oh yeah, like if I'm told my whole life, God is really holy and God hates sin, like, and then I can't be holy enough like, at least I can, like, hate the unholy parts of myself, mm. which actually kind of can lead to, like, self-hatred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was the first half of it. And then the second half was, it's it's interesting, in the psychology community, there is a lot of... um a lot of confidence in religion to be a positive thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, we think about there's a lot of, um, we have a lot of difficult relationships in our lives, mm-hmm. but what if your relationship with God is also another mm-hmm. point of stress? I think about myself as a teenager and so many of us as teenagers, mm-hmm. if you were in that evangelical circle of like, you're trying to figure so many things out. And for me, like, relationship with God on top of everything else was a big stressor. It wasn't like, oh, here's this like resource of like, I can feel calm and peaceful and like get restoration. It was like, am I doing enough? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, get my passion CD and like get on my knees and Uh try to like pray for an hour and Uh (laughs) stuff like that. Keep the fire
0: for God going. You're totally on fire, but like you not, if you, unless you do specific things every day, the fire will dwindle and then God will be disappointed in you. So you need to find ways to keep the fire and Mm -hmm. the passion going.
1: While also keeping the horniness down, because
2: that's exactly.
0: Yes, I wasn't thinking in those terms. I never struggled <laughs> when I with think, that. But I think teenage
1: years, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh-huh. How uh-huh. do I think? I think. How do I love God and not boys?
0: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> right. Yes. So, yeah.
0: of the three types of attachments, which do you think is the most pervasive among people who grew up in evangelical contexts? was there. Is there a specific attachment style that we really have ingrained?
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it depends on what kind of evangelicalism we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I see that anxious piece showing up a lot more in like charismatic circles mm-hmm. of like, yeah,
1: that makes you sense. know,
2: you have to be happy, you have to have joy, you have to have faith. hmm for me, I remember growing up and feeling like, okay, God doesn't like me, but when I get to heaven, I will no longer be sinful. I'll be changed in an instant, and then God will like me. Mm-hmm. And so there's this element of like, kind of like makeover boyfriend, like rom com thing <laughs> of like, he's a slob now and he's terrible, but like, with some like, polish like <laughs> then jesus he'll be good.
0: polish <laughs>
2: exactly uh-huh. and and uh you know it's kind of funny but like thinking about if you are that person that's really just struggling with feeling like I'm lovable
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know that means that the the message from the church people that are struggling with feeling okay about themselves and feeling mm-hmm. worthy of love aren't getting that message they're getting the message of like well maybe s- Like, God's keeping you around because someday you might be worthy of God liking you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We've talked about the problems of these three attachment styles. Um, When you're in therapy, when you're working with clients, like, what is your end goal when they are struggling with these kind of attachment styles? Um, Which, obviously, my end goal is, like, how then do we apply it to God? But how... Like, Mm -hmm. what is a healthy attachment style? What are we aiming for here?
2: Yeah, so we're looking for someone that um, this sense of like, I know that you're there for me. I know that you're emotionally responsive. And I know that you delight in me. Mm. And so when I think about secure attachment, I think about um, that person in your life that when you walk in, their face lights up, Mm. right? And there's just that sense of like, this person really likes me. This person really delights in me. Um, there's actually research around uh, delight being the biggest predictor of secure attachment. Mm-hmm. And so um, that idea of, of um, you know, it's something that you feel uh with the nonverbals it's not always just the words that are said but it's like mm-hmm. um the body language it's the you know touch sometimes it's the tone of voice uh that says there's emotional safety here we're we're together we're on the same team i'm here for you you know this is a a safe relationship
1: so as we finish up here um i'm wondering if you might offer our listeners some homework (laughs) as they go into this next week. How might they Mm -hmm. like consider what is my attachment style to God and what are some ways to to try to counter that or to try to make it healthy?
2: Mm, Yeah. I, you know, one of the things that I try to work when we talk about working towards security, you can't just make yourself feel differently Mm -hmm. or operate differently one of the things that I really tried to do with this book was create a space for people to say like, oh yeah, that's what I've been feeling. That's the insecurity I've been feeling. Mm-hmm. And so I think this next week, noticing what are the ways that I try to keep connection with God? Can I name that in some way? Um, and is it something that, that feels... Healing and life giving, or does it feel like something I'm white knuckling? Mm-hmm. Because, of course, we're gonna do things to connect with God, we have our spiritual practices, but there's a huge difference between I'm doing this because it is for my good and, um, and it's something that helps me feel connected to God versus, um, I'm doing this to keep God happy and I'm worried that if I don't do this, God's not gonna stick around, right.
0: Like getting at the motive of what's the why behind the spiritual practices? Am I able to come to God kind of openly hoping to connect? Or is it, okay, I'm showing up because I know this is what you want me to do. And this is what good Christians do. And so please don't abandon me, Mm -hmm. which is just a different posture.
2: (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And if that's what you feel, that's like good. Like, I'm glad that you noticed that. Mm -hmm. And just having that conversation with God, Mm -hmm. um, to say like, this is, this is how I feel like it feels like you're going to abandon me if I don't do the things I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so I want to take a step of faith right now to do something different, to Mm -hmm. trust that you love me more than, than I feel like you do Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. To get to, to kind of like take that risk. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is a big risk, so mm-hmm. I want to validate that mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm.
0: What kind of attachment style do you think you are, Roxy? <laughs> uh, gosh, well, I can recognize myself, you know, in
1: all three. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, as I'm not sh- uncommon, sure most people can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely, uh, I definitely feel. <laughs> i really don't I really feel I like really i really put you on the spot I really, no no i i was i've been thinking about it but i mean i'm like mm-hmm. every time i want to say it's anxiety i'm like oh but it's really shame oh no but i really you know like i really feel like a, it, i have a mm-hmm. lot of all three i mean i can definitely think about right now in this moment i think there's like a bit of i feel like the anxiety attachment is maybe being proven true a little bit of like that feeling of, I don't feel like I've done the things to connect with God that I feel like I should be doing. And so I don't feel connected to God. And I'm like, see
0: it exactly what I thought. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think, I think as a teenager and young adult, I was anxious because Mm -hmm. I wanted to keep the fire going. right? And then at Mm -hmm. some point, I had a se- a season <laughs> um a, a period of time when I was doing all the things and I didn't feel the connection mm-hmm. to God and so mm-hmm. I went into shutdown like it's not mm-hmm. safe to try to connect with God because God doesn't show up or it doesn't show up consistently mm-hmm. so yeah. it's it's safer to rest in a kind of intellectual framework of faith mm-hmm. And you can't get, you can't get, you can't be too dependent on God showing up because God won't. And then it'll be even worse. Right. Than if you never reached out at all. And I'm not blaming this on my mom, by the way. I know that like parent, when we talk about this, it's like, well, it's probably how your mom treated you when you were an infant. And I'm not, (laughs) I do not have her in mind. (laughs) um, Right. Yeah. When I say that. But yeah, I'm sure our listeners are like, oh, I can recognize myself in that, or I was more in that attachment style, and now I think I've moved into this. But that security, like a secure attachment is is what we hope for and what's life-giving, you know, like what we need
2: as people. Thanks for sharing, both of
0: you. (laughs) I really wasn't planning that, and then I got curious and wanted to see where (laughs) it would go. So, um, well, what about you, Crispin? We didn't even ask you.
2: Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I definitely resonate with the shame filled mm-hmm. attachment mm-hmm. style. Um, and so it's been a really lovely thing to identify and, and start to like figure out what does it look like to be moving towards security. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's meant, um, you know, we talk about that person that like lights up when you walk in the room I have been able to rely on some important friendships to me
1: mm-hmm.
2: and kind of think like, okay, well, what if God felt about me the way that my friend Mark does? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that would be really different than what, I was, what I've always felt. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of hacking my attachment system that way.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, if my friend is this delighted in me, think of how much more God who mm-hmm. created my inmost being is delighted in me. Yeah, that's really yeah.
2: helpful. Which is, I mean, that, that shame-filled part, I think you just hit on something really important, which is God knows you better than anyone. Right. Right? And if you're given a message of like, well, the person that knows you better than anyone thinks that you're disgusting or displeasing, like that is so painful. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, that's why it's been really important to me to like, well, think about attachment science, but also go back to scripture and say, mm-hmm. like, is there a better, like, more healing story here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, because um, I, you know, I, I think that God does delight in people. God created us, and mm-hmm. um, and if the best we have to hope for is like, well, God's keeping you around, but He doesn't really like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a very good news.
1: Mm-hmm. This is a lot. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, I'm, I'm really, it's been really great to talk to you. And I think this is such, I think this is really important for a lot of people to explore. And I think, you know, Mm -hmm. we've talked a lot about um, just church wounds and hurts and ways that people um, of our generation at our age now are really grappling with some of how we grew up and how we were, you know, taught to God by All kinds of well meaning people taught to think about God. But, um, you know, we're we're apparently our our evangelical generation's midlife crisis is an existential one about God and church. So Mm -hmm. um, I think this is Mm -hmm. really an important contribution to that just general Mm -hmm. awakening and conversation Mm -hmm. people are having. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much, Kristen.
2: Thanks so much.
1: I had not really considered that much how my attachment style might relate to how I think about God Mm -hmm. until coming across Crispin's work on this. And now it seems really obvious, which I think is what Mm. like a great book does is sort of say, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. And that is really how I feel after thinking about this and talking to Crispin about it.
0: Mm. So going back to an anxious attachment style, how do you feel like that has shaped your relationship with God?
1: I mean, I think we can go back to my idea of like this therapist that's not a very kind therapist or a very gentle therapist that's actually like a very judgmental therapist. Like that is so much of how I, when I think about an ambivalent or anxious relationship attachment style I feel judged by the other person regularly like I feel like I'm falling short letting them down I'm worried about how they're feeling I'm worried about how things I've done have upset them and and I think I have this sense um, I often have this sense in relationships and I've actually talked about this in therapy before of like I feel like the other person knows me better than me and that they're mm-hmm. the ones that like can see the the dark side of me, and I'm just fooling myself into thinking that, that 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 isn't there. And so that is, again, kind of how I would describe some of the ways that I think about God is like, mm-hmm. God knows this darkness inside of me. And that's always part of
0: how God views me. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of theology that would kind of feed into that or reinforce that sense as yeah, well. Yeah, this
1: sort of like, like this omnipresent, um, God, this all knowing God that again, when that's directed at me and there's all these mysteries of the psyche that, you know, our great psychoanalysts of the ages have figured out, like God knows all of that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then of course it's like judging it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm even thinking like teaching that we probably heard growing up, like God, even if other people don't know God knows when you do something bad. Like God can see, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. No wonder we think that God looks like Santa Claus. Uh Um, But yeah, kind of this like all-knowing presence that's looking for signs of you slipping up, looking for signs of you being bad. And so it's not even enough to not sin. You can't even
1: want to sin, you know, like God knows the motives. Yeah. If you look at uh, the Bible verse about like looking at a woman with lust is, Mm -hmm. you know, an affair or as bad as an affair, like that kind of, that kind of sense of even the motivations.
0: Yes. God knows the inner heart Mm -hmm. and its workings and man, what's in there is really, really bad.
1: Depraved, if you will.
0: (laughs) And I will totally (laughs) depraved. One might say, (laughs) Um, and how, how about you? Yeah. What is
1: I'm actually curious because I'm not an avoidant personality as much. So like, what does that feel like when it comes to God? How do you avoid God?
0: (laughs) That's a good question. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This came up in season two, my senior year of college, I had a major depressive episode and couldn't figure out what was going on and spiritualized it, you know, and really experienced that as like God's, God's not here. Like God, I don't know where God Mm -hmm. is, but God has left. God left me to fend for myself. I'm doing all these things to try to reconnect and I don't feel connected at all. I feel like God is absent. And I think from that, I've probably moved into more of a head knowledge way of Mm -hmm. connecting with God, you know, like and and maybe a sense like you can't really trust your emotions. You can't trust right. how you feel because your your emotions are a jumble. So all that we have is like these intellectual statements about who God is and what God is like. And <clears throat> that's what you fall back on. But obviously that doesn't really translate well to when we talk about a relationship like and connecting. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really translate to a sense of closeness,
1: well, it strikes me that at a time when you really needed God, it didn't feel like God was there, and so to get to a point where you could trust that God would be there again when you needed God is probably really hard and easier to just
0: not need God. Well said, I'm just psychoanalyzing, <laughs> but you're but this is like a nice therapist, yes. <laughs>
1: I was reading a book recently, uh, over the last few weeks, um, called maybe you should talk to someone. And I would mm. recommend that book by the way, um, Lori which Godley. is really all of, yes, which is really all about therapy. It's written by a therapist and like the way that she describes her patients and how much she loves them and cares for them. And even the moments when mm. she's like, I know this person is kind of lying to themselves. It's like, mm. she has so much patience for them getting there. And hope that they will. And I don't know why I can't feel like God has that for us, you know, or for me.
0: Yeah, like a really good therapist or a really good friend or Mm -hmm. someone who's like, I delight in who you are. I want the best for you. Yes, I see that you are struggling or you're maybe not being honest with yourself. But Mm -hmm. like that is not the whole of who you are. Right you also might have really good reasons for why you're acting in a certain way. Like this makes sense. This you're not. And is there a way to kind of latch on to how we experience other people who love us and care for us and think like maybe God is like that. Like maybe, I mean, maybe God is actually that times a thousand, like maybe Mm -hmm. how I receive care And how I see that this other person delights in me. Maybe that's just a reflection of or like an image of how God sees me.
1: You know, I think one of the battles for me just in general is sort of fighting to love myself and feel lovable. And that feels very related to that. And, you know, and when you're you have a sense of, you know, this being that is supposed to be like this, like literally is love and Mm -hmm. you can't feel that, then I think that's, you know, I do think that says quite a bit about me. Maybe not (laughs) The most important thing or everything, but I also think it. I'm sure there are ways to like, as Crispin talked about, like there's theology in that, and I think there's not just theology that we've been taught, but there's probably theology that we project into mm-hmm. onto other people and into how we view the world in general um, mm-hmm. as maybe unfriendly or unloving or unlovable. Um, I would have to think about that more because I I do think I rarely see other people the way that I see myself, and I and mm-hmm. I don't. And I'm not quite sure how that connects, but.
0: Right. You're not someone who is like, and other people are unlovable too. Like you find it easier to see other people as worthy of love than you do for yourself. So it's like, if I can extend that to my friend, why can't I extend it to myself? Yeah. Saved by the City is a
1: religion news service production. The producer is Jay Woodward and the consulting editor is Paul O'Donnell. We get
0: production assistance from Elizabeth Joy Windham. Chaz Rousseau put together our look and Martin Fowler wrote our theme music. We are Roxy Stone and Caitlin Beatty. Thanks Thanks for for listening.